Bokshi. Recorded live. Welcome, everyone, to Scuba Obsessed, episode 21. We have Shelly's Open Water and the Mud Divers Get Narked. This week in the news, we have the one-year anniversary for the sinking of the USS Vandenberg. Divers recover discarded toilets. Revolution of science through scuba. An oil spill update. Uh, the Mal- Malaysian conference contributing to the future of scuba diving. And the mud sharks clean beaches. Oh, wow. This has been a week. Uh, a lot going on. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing wonderfully. It's uh, coming up on a holiday weekend. Um, good good to be here tonight. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you could be here. And we also have Mac uh, from the club. How are you doing, Mac? Pretty good. Glad to be here, too. Great. And we also have Shelly Howard, uh, fresh from her open water class. How are you tonight, Shelly? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Well, that's great. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Shelly's uh, completed her open water class. You had that week, uh, kind of call it a bye week where you didn't get wet. But uh, yeah. then I understand that you were able to get in the water. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, I was spoiled this weekend because the water that I was doing my open water cert in was 93 degrees. Wow. <laughs> now, now, where was that? That was Hawaii or Belize? Uh, nope, that's up in a uh, place called Midway, Utah. Utah. <laughs> yep. I, uh, tropical waters. So uh, that, is, from what I understand, is that an old, is that like a Cordo volcano? Nope, it is a uh, kind of a mineral spring. Oh, okay. And the dome is formed from the, the minerals in the spring. Okay, so that's what kind of makes that... That that section there that they show because it almost to me looks like a a tiny volcano actually where you've you look like from the photos they have that that hole up above where you can see the sky. Yeah, that's when I was a little kid. That's what I thought it was was a volcano, but that I believe he said it was a a tof, tofu mound, but I I could be pronouncing that wrong. Uh huh. So, but so it's geothermal geothermal geothermically thermal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, easy, easy. Yeah, okay. Uh, geothermally heated, then. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, nice. and that so that that was how much? How warm? Ninety-three degrees. Ninety-three wow. degrees. You know, other than my hot tub, I don't think I've reached that temperature in water. No, I can't imagine. Bathtub. Wow. And and you know, so what does that take? A three mil or seven mil wetsuit? Uh, nope, nope, we're skin diving. Oh, skin diving. But, you know, it snowed that morning, that first morning, <laughs> it was snowing. How cool was that? It was so much fun. The steam was coming off the water. And... So they, they've they got a hole that they've carved into the side of that hill. So what's it like walking through that? Like they got a door in and then you walk and there's a, a changing area? Yeah, they've got a few little changing areas up against the wall and it's roughly hewn, you know, through there so that it's, it's pretty rough, but it's very humid, very muggy, wonderful smell, <laughs> mineral water smell. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. If there was, um, an odor to it, but there is, huh? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Now, now how would you describe that? Is it kind of a sulfur smell or? No. Um, <laughs> 
oh, it's hard to explain. I wouldn't call it mildew, but just a damp smell. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I can kind of imagine that. So, uh, so you go through that hallway, and then there's some steps that go down to the water. No, nope, it's just a, a ramp. Kind ramp of goes down, and then they have a few um, decks right there that you walk into, walk onto. To they have a few um, uh, little sitting areas in the water. Okay. For people who snorkel and you know little kids and stuff to sit in, it's like sitting in a hot tub almost. Okay, so you're you're still covered by the water, but there's uh, kind of like a something for you to stand on. Um, yeah, like there's benches. And okay. That to sit on. Huh? Sort of like a swim up bar without the bar. Right, kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the way to look at it. Uh. So, uh, how how now? How big is is the water surface? Would you say? I mean, is it like a pool sized or? Um, it's it's probably about pool sized. Okay. I, I, uh, I know I heard it one time what the diameter was, but I can't remember. Okay. And then in the show notes, we'll do, we'll do a link back to the site so people can check it out. Now, uh, how many people did you have that, that were diving when you were diving? I think there were nine of us that first day. Roughly, I think there were nine. And then the next day, there were a few that weren't there. So I think there was seven of us the next day. Our poor instructor had to teach two classes back-to-back, or actually together, mm-hmm. because another instructor couldn't make it that weekend. Oh, so did he have anybody to assist him, or is it pretty much just him? No, there was one assistant there. And okay. then when he would teach one class, it would be our turn to be on the surface decompressing anyway. Okay. So uh, how, how many dives did you get in over the two days? Four dives. Four dives. Yeah. Uh, so what, what kind of... Uh, skills did you cover in that first day we did um a few more mask skills um so like clearing clearing the mask yeah we did a partial fill the first day and then kind of just going down and learning how to to regulate our buoyancy Mm -hmm. it was a lot easier to get you're doing good then yeah it was a lot easier actually in that water and then you know because we could go deeper i think we went to 36 feet Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Your buoyancy is a little bit more manageable, and you know, past thirty, and that is up there in a pool at you know eight or ten. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, now, did you actually touch the bottom? No. No. No, we weren't allowed to. So, so you didn't have anybody crash into the bottom and stir up the silt. Nope. Thank goodness. Um, one girl lost her weight, and the second day I lost my snorkel. Ah. Uh oh. But it both were recovered. Luckily. Oh, that's nice. I guess they had a deck that had come loose, a, a platform underwater that had come loose and is actually now sitting on the bottom. That kind of helps protect oh, okay. the sediment down there. Mm-hmm. But you can't touch the sides or you'll stir it up. The second day was a lot. The visibility wasn't as good as the first day. Okay. So probably somebody at some point had kicked a little bit up. Yeah. There were, dive- there were people diving before us both days. So I think they had gone in there and stirred it up a little bit. Yeah, you you always got to blame the divers before you. It's uh, that's kind of a tradition with scuba diving. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you hammer the guy that went in before. Oh, yeah, now, you know. now in your pool sessions and in your class sessions, you had uh, you kind of uh, had an impromptu buddy that you paired up with. Is uh-huh. that the same one that you kind of hung with through your open water uh, uh, dives this week? Yep, yep. We just stuck together. Right. 
Good. In fact, we rode up. The two of us rode up with our instructor the first time, first day, and then we carpooled oh. the second day because it's it's quite a drive. That that makes it much easier. Yeah. And funner, and funner. Oh yeah. Yeah, we had a snowstorm coming home the first day. <laughs> yeah. And ninety degree water too. Mm. For Pete's sake. It was lovely. <sighs> it's dangerous, <laughs> I tell you. You need to come to Utah just so you can experience yeah. that. Uh, we, we may have to. We may have to do a little trip. I'm trying to think of how many hours it is from here to Utah. It would it'd probably be, uh, it'd probably have to be about 24 at least. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I, we, I, we'd have to take a look at a, a map. Take, take a look. Now, uh, so so anything hap- exciting happen in the first day or is it is it just pretty normal stuff just uh in a little bit deeper water? Yeah, it was pretty normal the first day. It was pretty We didn't get as much time in the water the first day because he had to teach uh the class that he the other class that he had they had done it over a weekend as opposed to the two weeks that we had done it. Mm-hmm. So they they didn't get as much pool time, so they had to learn a little bit more. Okay. That makes so sense. the first day we didn't get as much time in the water, but the second day we did. And then as he was teaching the other class, me and my, my buddy and another gal swam around quite a bit mm-hmm. until it was time to surface because we were almost out of air. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, that, 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 that always makes me come to the surface too when I run out. Yeah, yeah. I did have an incident though. Oh, um, what was that? We had to do the mask removal, mm-hmm. put it back on, and... As I was putting it back on, I must have inhaled through my nose. So I inhaled some water. Inhaled some water. And for the life of me, I could not purge my regulator. Mm. And so okay. I was just getting more and more water. And I, I was kept trying to do it. And finally, I had to signal that I have a problem and I need to go up. And I started panicking because we were, we were about 20 feet. Uh-huh. And I was, from, from trying to purge my regulator so much, I had no air at all. And I know you're not supposed to hold your breath, but I just, <laughs> right. I had nothing. So it's kind of scary for a minute. But I did manage to come up and recover and go back down and finish that task. Okay. That skill. Okay. So did, did you, you kind of learn what you, you needed to work on? Yeah, well, I, I hadn't, uh, I didn't purge my mask either. So I think mm-hmm. that's why I couldn't purge my regulators. I still had water, you know, in my mask that I was getting in through my nose. Oh, okay. So you're still kind of working on the, you know, the breathing through the mouth and and kind of ignoring what's going on with the nose. Yeah, yeah. The more I thought about it, the more I, I think that's what happened. Okay, okay. I bet you were uh, horrified there for just a little bit. Just for about yeah, a few seconds, I was a little bit scared, but I did okay. Yeah, good. I didn't, but I didn't. I forgot to <laughs> signal that I was out of air. I was. I was just thinking, get me to the top. I mean, uh-huh. you know, right out here. Now, how did you get to the top? Did you swim up, or did you inflate your BC? My, I inflated my BCD, and my instructor took me to the top. And I, I was trying to grab for his alternative air source. Oh, okay. But it, but it probably wouldn't have helped me anyway, since I couldn't purge my own. Right, right, yeah, because you didn't run out of air. You just couldn't purge yours to to get where you could get a good breath. Right. Yeah. But it all turned out okay, and. I survived and enjoyed the rest of the day. Didn't deter me at all. Excellent. It, and you'll be a better diver because of it, I'm sure. Yeah, lesson learned. Yeah, definitely. Yep, absolutely. 
So so now you've got you've got your C card then. Uh, or, I will be coming to me in the mail. Coming in the mail. Uh, yeah. So so now you're now now you're an official diver just like the uh, rest of us. Uh, so what's what's your next dive? You 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 have something planned? Well, I want to get my advanced cert, and I was thinking about going to San Diego, but financially right now I don't know if that'll be possible. Mm-hmm. So I might do the advanced cert here in Utah, and they they have it. They do it at the crater as well, but there's another place out by Wendover, mm-hmm. Nevada, called Blue Lake. That I think okay. will be a little bit more challenging because the vis- visibility is a lot lower. Is that that sea base you were talking about? No, no, this no? is a different. Oh, a different one. Okay. Then I think I'll, I think I'll try to do sea base. I'd, I'd really like to go with somebody though. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's. A, are there any diving groups around there? Is there like a diving club with the store? Yeah, they have their own diving dive club. Okay. So I need to check with some people there, because I think a lot of them are probably don't want to do sea base though. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but you know, you just you get to find out what they're diving. Yeah, so, but I'd like to get the experience, you know, some experience swimming with some fish. Oh yeah, that is an awesome thing to be able to, to swim around and move around with them. It is a blast. Uh, you you had been talking about gear choices. Have you have you made up your mind on anything that uh, you're going to outfit yourself with? I think I found the mask that I want, though I can't remember the name. I haven't bought any of it yet. I had hoped to have it all by now. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. Uh, and I, the snorkels, I just, me and snorkels just do not get along. Everyone I've tried, I haven't liked at all. <laughs> so I'm going to have to look at a few more. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a very personal uh, thing to find one that fits you right and that you're comfortable with. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm sorry? Uh, is, uh, so do you have any advice that you would give to people interested in scuba diving? I would just, I've been telling my friends that they need to do this. They need to try it, no matter what their fears are, because you overcome them pretty oh. quick, and it's just so much fun. Oh, you mentioned fear. That, that was the one thing I wanted to make sure we asked. Uh, you had had that concern that you, you would be have a little bit of fear with the deep water. Uh, did you experience any of that? Well, the night before, I was very nervous. I didn't sleep very well the night before. When I got there, I was pretty nervous, but once I got in the water, I was fine. It didn't bother me at all. So, is it? What do you think made it to where you weren't nervous of the deeper water? Um, I think just being under there and being able to see. Okay. You know, there at first when it, the second day when it was really murky, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. But then I, you know, I kind of got, I got over it pretty quickly because I was mm-hmm. busy doing other things and didn't think mm-hmm. about it. And now, by the time I was done doing them, I was accustomed to my environment. Yeah, yeah. Now, when when you said it was murky, about how far could you see? You estimate? Um, I would say ten or fifteen feet, maybe the second day. Okay. You could see all the way to the other side the first day. Yeah, and they have a platform so, down there, and they have a, a wagon wheel that they have suspended that I guess they use for navigation purposes. You know, when we did our navigation. Okay. We had to swim to that and back. Turn left is, at the wagon wheel. Yeah, which, you know, on the second day, you couldn't see it. <laughs> so it was true navigation rather than just kind of... Kind of, yeah. pretending. Yeah. He, he said, go that way. The wagon wheel's that way. Just make sure you stay 
you know, you're, you stay on that path on your way back. So we got near it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We did good. Did all right. So, so, uh, you've, you're, you're looking for some equipment. Is that something you plan on getting here in the next few weeks or? Yeah, at least my, my mask and my fins and my snorkel. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Get that, that much of it at least. Yeah. And just piece by piece, I think. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not a, a bad way to do it. Yeah. It, is it, you have to buy like your, your regulator and your BCD kind of at the same time or does that matter? No, I, I bought mine separately. I bought the BCD used and then I bought the regulator almost exactly a year later. Uh, the one thing to be aware of is that with that BCD, uh, there should be an inflator hose. And uh, <laughs> I, I actually didn't, you know, I guess I should have realized it, but when you're always renting your equipment, everything comes together. So even when I had my, when when you rent a regulator, they've got the inflator hose on it so you're not screwing the hose off, putting it on. So all this time I'm renting it, it's fine. Well, then when I buy it, I thought I made sure I was asking for everything I needed. And we it actually got to the point where we were getting ready to go into the boat for a dive with all this brand new shiny gear. And then I get to hooking everything up and I'm like, wait, I'm missing a, missing a hose. Missing. Yeah. <laughs> Which that wasn't going to prevent me from diving. I'd have manually inflated it. I'd have, I'd have yeah. breathed into it. But luckily, uh, you know, I had Kurt a couple. Kurt saved the day. Kurt saved the day. He, 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 and in fact, he said he had just added it to his uh, Save-A-Dive kit that week, that an extra oh. inflator hose. So, yeah, that was handy. Lucky. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was that was my experience. But, yeah, you can buy the pieces individually. And, you know, even, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, double-checking the gear and make sure it was there. So, uh, which I didn't do. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know because... I don't think I'm going to be buying it all at once now. Yeah, yeah, it is. It it it, it can add up, but uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, I'm I'm not a big one for uh, buying stuff on time, but yeah, you know, that's not necessarily a bad way to do it either. Uh, you know, go ahead and get a big kit. Yeah, well, that's what I'd hoped on doing is buying it all at once, but I see now that it's not going to be feasible when I look at all the little things and mm-hmm. they add up. Yeah. Well, and then that's the other thing about if you take the classes and even if you rent the gears that eventually you can, uh, you know, you, you pick up a little pieces because like for your, at least around here for the open water, you have to buy the, the goggles, snorkel and fins. And then for the advanced, you end up buying, what was that, Jim? We had to buy the dive light. I think it's because we we're doing a night dive. We had the knife. Yep. 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 You've got to have those items. Oh, uh, slate. You had to buy a slate. Yeah, slate, yep. Yep. And then for the rescue diver, that's when you start going to the uh, safety sausage and... Yeah, uh, you get some other items uh, that you've got to get, um, you know, uh, inf- uh, nasal oral uh, uh, device for uh, CPR and, and, and those sort of things. Um, but uh, that's not specifically dive-related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, good. Let's pick up so pieces you- as I go, then. Yep, and find things that uh, that fit. Uh, it's kind of an interesting time for a, a woman to start looking because they have, the companies have really started to make some big changes in uh, the gear that are uh, directed towards female divers now. Uh, not just colors, but the way that the the BCs are cut. Um, you know, for the the 
the different anatomy and things like that that should make it a lot more comfortable than a, a one-size-fits-all gender type BC that was available just a few years ago. Yeah, I think I mentioned I tried the the woman's BCD, mm-hmm. and I was not I was impressed with it. I didn't like having the bladder in the back, the air bladder in the back. Yeah, yeah. So you'll you'll find something that you're as soon as you try it on, and uh, you'll say this is the one. Whether I can do it today or I have to wait a little while, this is the one that I want. So um, oh, don't settle for something. Get get what you want. Yeah. Nice thing is there's always something to, there's always something to buy, and I say that as a good thing because you know, I'm, I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a shopper, but I, you know I, I've I've enjoyed going out and accessorizing my gear and, and buying stuff and you know it's it's kind of that little do-it-yourselfer survivalist instinct that you you get and you figure out you know what you want and where do you want to go because for every piece of gear there's about a hundred different ways to wear it. You know, where do you like your compass? Do you like it on a retractor? Do you like it on your wrist? Do you like it on your console? Same for the computer. Same for your dive knife. Uh, you know, yeah. And, and you, you kind of adjust. You know, you'll, you'll wear it this way three or four times. You'll see how somebody else is wearing wearing theirs, and you'll you'll give that a try, and you go, oh, that's a heck of a lot better. So. Uh. Yeah. It's, that's what I was thinking about, the, I guess, the retractor, <clears throat> so that you're Things aren't dangling off of you everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, you, you don't want to be that diver that's got things <laughs> dragging behind yeah. you. So, <laughs> yeah, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Kirk did that, he videotaped me. And uh, I was looking at the video, I'm like, oh, gosh, all the stuff that I got to change, you know, how, how stuff fits, how it ties off, where it hangs. Because it just, it just looked like everything was a mess. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's, I guess it's kind of like hearing your own voice or watching yourself on video. You just you, you're never happy. <laughs> nope. It nope. makes you cringe no matter what. No matter what. <laughs> well, that's great. You know, we're sure excited that you're you got your certification and that you've joined the world of scuba. Uh, we're glad everything went well, and we wish you the best of luck with your scuba endeavors. Well, thank you. I yeah. can't wait to get in the water again. Yeah, and and definitely, we appreciate you coming on the the program and talking about it and uh, and sharing it. Yeah, share, sharing your experiences because that's you know it hadn't been that long ago that we got our open water, but you tend to forget. And I think it's valuable for new divers to hear firsthand how it went and you know some of the concerns and how everything worked out. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show. I appreciate it. I've had fun. All my friends have had fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we, I've, I've definitely had fun uh, twittering them uh, back and forth. Uh, a few of them will will post something out there saying, "Hey, is she going to be on this week?" So, cer- cer- certainly glad that uh, you were able to come on. And if you have anything interesting you want to talk about, uh, drop us a line. Or you're more than welcome to come back on the program. Or if uh, you have if you have an ang- uh, an avenue of scuba diving that you really get into, you know, I'm sure we can make some sort of segment on here for you, have you come on from time to time. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. And, and you're more than welcome to stay on for the next couple episodes. Uh, we're going to get in the news and then talk about uh, the last week's chamber dive. Mm. Yeah, I want to hear about you guys getting narked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get this news out of the way. Uh, kind of kind of an okay uh, week for the news. Uh, the first one is, uh, and then Jim, did you get the links? 
I did, and I'm I'm perusing them right now. Perusing them right now. So I'll give you. I'll just stall a little bit, give you a little bit of time to catch up into them. But the first one was. It's hard to believe it's already been a year for the sinking of the Vandenberg. And for those who aren't aware, which I don't know if you're into scuba diving, how you wouldn't be aware of of it. But the USS Vandenberg was intentionally sunk on May 27th, 2010, uh, in Key West. And uh, it's, it's just a beautiful wreck to dive on. And what's what's interesting of it, and they got a photo of it when it was still floating, is just all the gear, you know, radar dishes, antennas, towers that they left on. So there's a, there's a lot to keep people interested. The boat is resting in 120 feet of water, and the superstructure reaches the 60 feet of water. So anything from a, uh, you know, a, a, a normal open water to advanced open water uh, should find something that they can see diving on the wreck. So one year uh, this week. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was uh, that long ago, but I, I guess it was. Um, that was all the buzz. Yeah, that everybody... thing was ready to go down. Yep, that landed just how they wanted it to. So another uh, another one of those on the diving bucket uh, bucket list to make sure at some point in time we get down there and take a look at. Right, and that's a, it's an impressive ship and. Uh, um, we should put up some links about some of the things about it. I know that it was in a movie and in the name escapes me right now. Uh, but the radar dish on there was, uh, part of the movie or a major scene. Um, and then it was also had a Russian, uh, if I remember right, uh, a Russian name painted on the bow, um, for the movie. And I don't remember if the issue was that that was removed before it was sank or not. And this was all after it was retired and mothballed, of course. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. So they, so they used it like as a prop for the movie. So they had it out there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, uh, but it escapes me what movie it was on and I saw it and it kind of came back to me, but, uh, as I get older, I forget these things. Uh, Yeah. I I can't, I, I wasn't aware of that. I, I could go through all the, I'm, I'm picturing it's like a top gun type of movie or, or something along those lines? Um, gosh, you know what? I don't know. I thought it was a sci-fi movie. Um, oh, okay. I'll have to figure that out and, uh, and so make sure I know next time. So, so maybe if somebody knows and they're listening to the show, they can jump over to the Facebook fan page and uh, post the answer. Maybe, maybe that's what we need to do is post, post uh, the question there and see if somebody can give us the answer. Right. Good topic. Uh, the, the next article is Divers Recover Discarded Toilets Off Malibu Coast. And this is the officials from the California Lost Fishery and Game Recovery Project are displaying hundreds of discarded toilets and other debris recovered from the ocean floor at a news conference this Wednesday. It's uh, part of the effort they have to clean up the trash that's ended up on the underwater habitats that are populated by the fish and the marine manuals. Uh, manuals. <laughs> so the books, you know, there's got these these books right. around marine mammals uh, off the Southern California coast. Uh, and, and what they're doing is a fisherman and scuba divers will uh, unload the debris at a marina in Del Rey to transport it to a landfill. Uh, contract fishermen estimate that there are about 300 toilets and tires at the bottom of a large stretch of the reef after uh, they did some reconnaissance dives. The project has lasted to take a week, and it's the first cleanup involving de- debris other than lost fishing gear. Now, <laughs> toilets? Uh, it just it, it just makes me wonder. I mean, 
I can understand tires. Not that I think it's a good idea, but you know, you kind of can see, I mean, you ever try and get rid of a tire? Even if you pay somebody, it can be a challenge to get rid of a tire, but a toilet, I just, I just don't know how, how, you know, maybe a toilet, but hundreds of toilets, 300 toilets. And they've actually got pictures here. So, you know, head over to the website, click on the link and, and you'll be able to see it. Just right. How, how did it become toilets here, tire there? How, how do you do that? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. So the, uh, the next article is, uh, and this one was in the deep sea news at deepseanews.com. And they, this is a revolution through scuba and, uh, they're, they're honoring the con- contributions that scuba has made through science, uh, for science and the internet's never as quick as you want it. I think it's because you're going to the website. Why I can't get there. You think so? Well, like there's just a room for one? Yeah, I think it's like a single file line to this website. Okay, the revolutionists of uh, Science Through Scuba, uh, and, and what they're doing is they're having a webcast live uh, Monday and Tuesday. Now, i got to do the math. Was that this week? So did we already miss it? So maybe we did. But uh, uh, what, the, yes. what they're – yeah, I guess we did miss it. So this, this is the, the news that's passed that you could have done something with had we gotten it to you earlier. Uh, but the Smithsonian uh, Institution and National Science Foundation and the Ocean Studies Board of the National Research Council NATS announced the symposium in May 2010 to celebrate the, contribu- the sci- scientific contributions and value of scuba as a research methodology. Uh, the symposium presented research findings by U.S. scholars and international collaborators with a focus on the scientific comp- contributions accomplished by placing the trained scientific eye into the underwater environment on self-contained compressed gas. Uh, this symposium is the first major effort to highlight and validate the use of scuba in the research methodology. Uh, it was on the 24th and 25th at Smithsonian's Bard Auditorium and the National Museum of Natural Natural History in Washington, D.C. The two-day event featured over 50 oral presentators, formal reception at the St. Ocean's Hall. The expected audience included research scientists, postdoctoral fellows, research staff, students, program managers, and representatives from federal agencies, congressional staff, news media, and the general public. Uh, 50 scholars discussed their papers on research findings from around the world on coral reefs, blue water, environments, under ice, polar habitat, temperate kelp forests, and other sites of interest. So, I mean, that's great. I mean, uh, you know, and we, we kind of all knew this, those of us in SCUBA, uh, the contributions that can be made, but it's great that they're getting out there and getting some publicity around it. Right. Okay, the next one is an update on the oil spill, which have they, have they are they getting close to being able to stop that yet? You know, the news uh, as of tonight before we uh, got together, it looked like it was uh, maybe going to work. Uh, the top kill procedure, uh, as now, I understand, you know, where they inject the, the debris and then the cement to stop it. Was that the one where they were doing the golf balls and the rope, or is this the one with the, uh, with the heavy uh, mud, because uh, like, they have that drilling mud that they, can, they were injecting the hole? Yeah, I think they were going to use debris, um, what you're talking about, and then they were going to use the mud in in series to slow it, gum it up, and then, then to stop it the way I understand it, you know, going mm-hmm. to progressively more solid items. Um, and I, I think it's been promising so far. 
Yeah. Well, it was one. That's one of those things. Of course, you know, it's it's easy to pile on at the end. But you know, when they first started, it's like you know, can't they, you know, do something like that? But you, know, you kind of have to realize that maybe with the the mass and the weight of all the, you know, of you know, just the force of how this is coming out, if that's all that feasible. Because you, know, you just kind of think, you know, right. th- throw, throw an inner tube in there and inflate it. You know, won't that stop it? <laughs> right. You know, and, and everybody is saying, oh, oh, you know, why can't the government do something? Why can't believe you, me, BP has got so much riding on this that oh, they're pulling out all the stops to get this thing, literally pulling out all the stops. What a fun. But to, to get this thing to quit and... Uh, uh, you know, the best and brightest are working on this, but you're working a mile below the surface. Oh, you, you know, know uh, you've got ROVs and, and all of that sort of thing that you're operating from a distance. You, It ain't as easy as everybody would believe. No. Well, I mean, and there's certain people, this is when you, there's certain people I'm glad I'm not, like the PR guy for BP. I mean, that's got to be, that's got to be one of the worst jobs. He's got to go just... through a case of Mylanta every night. Oh. I just, I just, I just picture this guy who, who had hair three weeks ago, now completely bald, uh, driving, <laughs> driving a car that's probably spewing uh, smoke out the back of the exhaust pipe oh. and on his way into work. That guy is beat down, no doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it, <sighs> You know, political leanings aside, people starting to pile on, even onto the president. Um, you know, why isn't he doing something? That man can't do anything either. I mean, this is these are the things that when you technologically make these big advances and big chances, um, accidents will happen. And uh, unfortunately, this is a big one. Yeah, this is, this is a big one. So uh, this news article was uh, by the Florida Keys and Key West Department of Tourism. And what they're trying to do is answer some questions for people who are going down there because, uh, or they're hoping to get down there. What's happening is with the doubt, people don't go and spend. I mean, you've only got a couple weeks of the year, most of us, for vacations. And, uh, you know, if you got something you're planning in three weeks, are you honestly going to put money down, book a boat out there in the Gulf, not knowing if you're going to be able to do it? So, you know, they've got a lot invested in getting the message out of what's going on. So... Uh, you know, they, they talk about and they're trying to answer some questions. Uh, one of them is, are the keys in imminent danger of being affected by the oil spill? And uh, uh, what they're saying is that there's a light sheen of oil uh, from the Transocean BP oil spill that has entered the loop current. Uh, they're saying it's going to take time for this oil to travel to the vicinity of keys. It'd be highly weathered and both the natural process of evaporation and application of spursants would reduce the oil volume significantly it is still unclear whether the weathered oil would actually arrive in the key regions or bypass the area and remain either in the uh, loop current or the gulf stream a bulk they say the bulk of the spill should remain away from the loop current and then uh, for those of us who don't know what the loop current is they're saying the gulf loop current is a dynamic clockwise warm water current that carries water from the yucatan channel north to the Gulf of Mexico, and then eastward looping back around the south off of Florida coast past, uh, oh gosh, another name I get to slaughter, the dry uh, Torgas? Torgas? Torturers? The the torturer is what's listening to me trying to pronounce this. And into the Gulf Stream, also known as the Florida Current. 
Uh, and then they're saying, will the oil spill hit the Keys and what will the effects be? Uh, say the impact in the Keys and area East Coast might experience would be much different than was transpiring in the northern Gulf of Mexico. Most oil spill experts say any oil carried by the loop would be more dispersed and highly weathered by the time it gets to the Keys, which is some 475 miles from the spill. That means it's highly unlikely that large rivers of oil would impact the Keys. The oil entrained in the current loop would require persistent onshore winds and eddy on the edge of the loop current for it to reach the Florida shoreline. If this would occur, the weather dilute oil would be likely to appear in isolated locations in the form of tar balls. While arrival of any oil in any form is unacceptable, tar balls are significantly less toxic. It is also possible that areas of the Keys could be affected, not others. Such oil residue remains in the loop current and Gulf Stream and completely miss the Keys. Uh, and then there's a question asking about the tar balls that had already been there. Uh, but we'll, we'll have links to the article so you can go through and see some of the details. Uh, a little bit farther down, they're talking about uh, will it make its ways a vacation, and they're saying nobody, no one can make a long-term guarantee that the residue from the Gulf oil spill will not be in the Keys. However, the current time expected impact seem to do not seem to be a serious issue for travelers when making reservations for accommodations or water-like activities. It may be prudent to discuss in advance any cancellation or refund policies in the event that oil residue impacts the area of immediate activity. So, you know, that wouldn't hurt. If you're going to go book something, you know, ask the dive operators. Uh, you know, if you're on the fence and you don't know if you're going to go down there, uh, tell them that, you know, if they don't give you some sort of guarantee, you're not going to go down there. Uh, I think that some of them... Uh, are going to take that chance. Now, some of your more popular dive locations who are going to be busy no matter what, they're probably not going to enter in that sort of guarantee, but some of the others, uh, I mean, you're a consumer, so uh, you can use it to your advantage to make sure that something like this won't uh, royal, uh, ruin your vacation. Yeah, I, I'm on a couple of different mailing lists for uh, some of the operators down there, and uh, they are having some changes in being able to, to work around people and uh, uh these people are are feeling it, whether or not the oil has hit the keys. Um, people are scared off, and, and so carry through with your vacations if you're planning on going down there. Certainly. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it could just as well be nice and nothing happens, and then you miss out on an opportunity to dive, and you just can't miss an opportunity to dive. Okay, the uh, next article is a Malaysian conference contributes to the future of the scuba diving industry. And we're not going to go through and read all of this, but this article uh, was about the, uh, there's a study done over the last two years. And what they're trying to do is weigh the impact of scuba diving on the environment and what impact it has against the economic benefits. And uh, they're hoping that by looking at both sides of it, they'll be able to make it sustainable where they'll have a long-term industry there. Because uh, it's one of those things, if you if you came in and you don't manage it well, and then uh, you lose those resources that people want to dive on, then you had a short-term gain and you don't have anything for it. So what they're trying to do is make it a sustainable industry, encourage scuba diving, and uh, making sure they, ha they have something that they can enjoy later on. So there's that article. And then... This last one is the mud sharks, uh, which I'm 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 assuming uh, I'm assuming goodness I'm assuming that the mud sharks is actually a dive club, kind of like the uh, mud divers that we have here, and that they were cleaning uh, beaches and and boat launches. So yeah. on 
I assumed it was the other way when I first read the headline, <laughs> is that there was a new species of shark that I didn't uh, hadn't heard about that they had coerced into picking up the seafloor. Oh. <laughs> so, but, uh, so they were training sharks, right? The, to go. <laughs> That's a better up. story, isn't it? Well, it's more interesting. It's like the dog bites man or man bites dog type of thing. Bingo. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. Uh, so on Saturday, May uh, 15th, 21 members of the Mud Shark Scuba Diving Club of uh, Everett, Edmonds, and Seattle participate in the club's second annual spring clean uh, dive on Lake Stevens. The divers removed over a ton of garbage from five public parks, swim, boat wow. dock areas, including the Wyatt park swim beach and boat launch the event was organized by club members uh, and uh, this is the second year the club has done this event everyone loves being part of it as divers we are naturally concerned and protecting the environment and preserving our waterways uh, lambier said everything ends up in puget sound and the sound is hurting right now working to keep water sources such as lake stevens clean not only benefits the people who live and play around the beautiful lake but it benefits the entire area including the sound so that is great you know, and, and those are fun events. If you get an opportunity to do that, if you're they a scuba are. diver and you get to do these ecology dives, I just find it's a great skill-building exercise to have something to do and you get to pick up. And, uh, you know, you know, a lot of times you know, we're worried about, you know, what can you touch, what can you pick up with trash you can pull out of the water and nobody gets upset at. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, we also do a link to the uh, club's uh, website. Uh, at underwatersports.com. So that's it for the news. Uh, let's see what do, what do we got. We oh we get to talk about the dives last week. So that's right. Other than Mac, uh, we didn't actually get to dive in water, but we did get to dive in something else. What was that? A big chamber. <laughs> I like to pretend it was a is my little submarine. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it, it would have been little, and it looked like sure. a submarine. So uh, we'll have we'll have photos out on the website. I think I I might even put one out there already. I, I, my mem- my memory's getting bad. Is I'll use that excuse. But we had the uh, we did a chamber dive, and that was at the uh, Bronson Medical Center in in Kalamazoo, uh, as run by the SAS Subaquatic Scuba out of Kalamazoo. Yes. Uh, Mac, you there? Yes, I am. Hey, so so, uh, how did you learn about the, the chamber? Well, whenever we've uh, gone wreck diving up north, we always like to figure out where the chambers are at, uh-huh. just in case you happen to need one. And back in the 70s, when we were going to a lot of strange places, uh, we found out that Blanton Medical Center had a chamber, and they actually did give uh, presentations for the normal person, and they also would let you go diving, meaning uh, they'd press you down to uh, 120 feet to give you that aspect that you go ahead and see how you got narked, what level, how did you function. And uh, club-wise, we went as a safety feature. If we're going to be diving the wrecks, we could do it in a little more safety by doing it in a dry chamber first. Mm-hmm. Right. Then we found out, uh, you could pay a little more, and at the time and processes allowed, you could go deeper. And obviously, we opted for the deeper dive, since that's what we had planned on doing. And through the years, um, 
the availability has you know sort of gone up and down, waned with the um, with the tide, so to speak. And it just so happened that since SAS took that over maybe four years ago, it's available again. And obviously, we're going to go there into 150, which is pretty nice, considering most places only want to take you down to 120 to support level depth. Yeah. That, that was that was great. I mean, I the, the first thing I have to say is it was an awesome dive. And, and we can call it a dive. Uh, what do you think, Jim? Right. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was... Uh... A great uh, learning experience. It was a, uh, it was an event. I'd never been in anything like that, um, and uh, it was a blast. It was it was good entertainment. So, the trifecta, you know, um, good time. Well, I hope you put it in your logbook because you really should. But although it also adds to your the validity of your experiences, because there you've got the depth. You've been able to take exams before and after, so you know what effect it had on you. You could watch yep. the activities of the guys you're going to dive with, to see who gets a little squirrely. <laughs> uh, you'll learn real quick about tunnel vision, and or I don't really care if I finish this test or not. You know, <laughs> there was some of that going on. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. Yeah, the the, the things that that happened. Um, that change as you go down we talked it, it affected each one of us a little bit different mac you were talking about the uh going through the word find well to recap i guess we should start yeah we should probably start with the, in beginning. the beginning <laughs> um we attended a, a class uh, that rick uh from subaquatic in battle creek um led us through and there was what four of us in there five we had five in the chamber Yep. Five in the chamber, but four in the class, right? No, um, we had, had six, six in the class. Five, six total, right, okay. See, he was and narked, so. Some people have yeah. after, even now. This, <laughs> see, that's when there's, I'm at one atmosphere. That's when I've got my problem. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so we've got uh, a, a class going through the history of the, the Barrow Chambers and, and what they were used for, um, not quite effectively back in in the day um something i didn't know is that the world's largest barrow chamber was right in uh, ohio um that was that that would have been interesting to see didn't it look like something like a wow. steampunk this big yeah. steel sphere that they they had and it didn't it was, it was less than 10 years you know from the time they built it to the time they scrapped it and that was really pre you know what i would call prime scuba days so right um, so, but yeah, but Rick did an excellent job on that that class. Just a very well presentation on putting together all the items that mm-hmm. uh, you know the history of the hyperbaric chambers and uh, what they were used for and what they were hoping to cure. Uh, also, the kind of the history behind the chamber there in Kalamazoo. You know, the hospital put it in, uh, thinking that it would be useful. You know, they wanted to be a medical center that was capable of you know doing things for the citizens and one of that being if somebody got bent on diving and i guess it's fortunate for divers but not too good for them what do you say they they'd only used it what, five times I think you something used like it seven times in the last 20 years but the kicker is remember they're using the mono lungs which is different than the chamber the chamber yeah. was supposed to give them the availability to put a doctor in and perform medical services on someone under pressure and that's the only way you're going to do it. 
they do the hyperbaric, but they use the monolungs as opposed to the chamber itself. So, like, if you if you get bent, they're putting you in the monochamber. But if you had to have some sort of medical procedure that had an advantage of being done under pressure, then they would use the chamber. That's what it appears to me. Again, monolung, the, probably the biggest use they use, or the hyperbaric chamber, um, like he went through. Probably one of the biggest from firemen is if you get monoxide poisoning, mm-hmm. that's probably one of the quickest and the best ways to help minimize that and recover from it. Uh, oxygen saturation of tissue for diabetics, that's uh, wound therapy. For those, right. they're going to use the monolung, and you could use the monolung depending on the severity of the of the, the hit and what table you're, you're going to have to be using. But again, the advantage of the big chamber is you can put a doctor or a staff person with the individual to give them a, you know, how can you give CPR in a monolung? It'd be a little hard to do that. No, right. no you, you can't do that. So, uh, but it, it's nice to have that resource there. And it actually was at risk of, of being shut down. And luckily for us, SAS stepped in, uh, agreed to take it over, and they're actually training people on it. So if you have the opportunity, even if you're not from the area, you know, contact the dive store there uh, and, you know, uh, schedule a, a chamber dive. So, uh, yeah. and why would you want to? Well, we'll, we'll tell you as we, as we go through a little bit of the details. So before we went in, they had us all do tests and, uh, the word search, I think I did pretty terrible on it. They had, uh, was it on cameras? So they had, you know, your typical word and I'm thinking word search. Oh, great. As a kid, I used to do those well. And, uh, and I, I blame it on narked, but that was pre narked. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they had that test. And then when we got there, uh, at the center, uh, they had one where we, we, we took, I don't know how many bolts was it? Eight bolts or something. And you, and they were all different sizes and you, you had to unscrew them and put them in the pan. And then once they were empty, you put them all back on. Yeah. You, they fit into corresponding holes in a, in a piece of, uh, uh, flat steel, uh, so that you could only put the right bolt in the right hole and the right nut and washer on the right bolt and so forth. Uh, and it was a timed event. Uh, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> uh, humbling, and uh, <laughs> yes. even out of the <laughs> without being under pressure. Yeah, yeah, my my time was pretty miserable outside on that. Uh, well, I did take one of the nuts that you had and I flung it under a chair. Um, oh, is that is that now that that ah oh, okay? Well, that I had to tell you that I was feeling bad oh, about oh. that. Uh, at, le- at least you came clean on it now, so I, I don't feel so bad on it. But uh, so yeah, we did that outside the chamber, and uh, I have to say the chamber was bigger than I thought it was. There's an outer area that we went into, uh, and then we went into the inner area where we sat. There's a bench on one side that could sit three people. There was a jump seat. Uh, there was a milk crate, and then there was another seat where they had a tender. So there was five of us who were taking the ride, and then there was a tender who. You know, is kind of overseeing and communicating with the operator who's outside the chamber who can see in the windows. Well, we did have one extra one. <coughs> An extra what? An Ruger. extra body. We had the non-talking head. Oh yeah, that's 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 true. Because uh, we we got to take some stuff into the chamber. They gave us some balloons and there's a styrofoam head. And how how tall was that head? Maybe I don't know, six eight inches tall. Made um, of styrofoam. At least that. Yeah, like, taller than that, I would suspect. 
and he had like a little do rag on his head. Yep, he uh-huh. had a sass sass do rag on. Sass sass do rag. Yeah, and it was a full size mannequin head. Um, yeah, you know, kind of like what you would like if you were going to put your wig. Yeah, you know, I mean, not not my wig because you know I, I. I. It would be that would be a small, very small. Uh, yeah. So. so. So uh, so we had the had that and we had the two golf balls not golf balls tennis balls tennis balls tennis balls golf balls they were really trying to squeeze those I, well it, it's how it can't be an official dive see much difference yeah it's, it can't be that's an right dive without a golf ball so we had right. the, they had the two tennis balls in there and uh, he warned us that it was going to get a little bit warm so how Jim how warm did you think it would get eighty 85, 90 is warm to me. That's I mean, what I was thinking. I was thinking it might get to 100, you know, maybe a little bit more. But, uh, and, and Mac, how, how, you know, on, was that pretty consistent with other chamber dives on the way down? Yeah, it's it's a, it's surprising the first time if nobody tells you it's going to get damn hot. Yeah, <laughs> it, it did. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and we had, I had, we had our dive computers with us. You know, put them in a bucket of water and went on down. So, but I was, you know, because the one thing I was concerned about as we were going down, as, as they is they get the do- door sealed up and they put a little bit of air to kind of seal the door. Uh, would they take us down to maybe 10 feet? And then they really start letting it go in. So what you had to do is you had to, you know, at least I have to hold my nose to equalize. I can't do it any other way. But you had right. to do the okay sign. And then if it, for any reason... Uh, we had a problem. We would drop that hand sign, and then they would, you know, stop descending. Probably come up a little bit. And, but I was puffing like all I was worth equalizing. I mean, it was it was a rapid dive down. And he warned us, you know, because we're doing 155. He wanted to get us down as quick as he could, so we'd have some more bottom time. Right. But I was like, take a breath, equalize. Take a breath, equalize all the way down. And then what was that temperature on that thermometer hanging when we got to the bottom? 103. Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah, you heard right. That's 130 degrees Fahrenheit in that chamber. And, uh, you know, I like a sauna. So once I got – and and it's – you know, like sometimes where it's hot. I mean, it was hot on the skin. It was hot as you were breathing. Mm-hmm. It was just plain hot. There was no getting away from it. There was no getting away from it. But it was, it was, you know, it's kind of nice. Opens the pores, therapeutic. And I and I want to thank everybody officially for bathing before going in the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would have brought that right to the forefront. Yeah, uh, I, I had tra- been bad. I had talked about eating a big. Uh, chili dinner the night before, but because uh, you know, I wanted to test that if you could pass gas below 33 degrees, but uh, you know I, I think I was too distracted to to test that, put that to the, t- the theory. But they did remind us to make sure we had clean socks before we went in, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, they said that in the training, which it wasn't. You know, we're like an hour and a half from home. <laughs> you know what? What would we? What would we have done? Well, you. Oh, yeah. Sure. I've I've got a spare pair right here, but you know. You know, just like your mom says, you know, clean socks and clean underwear. So I was pretty safe, at least on one count. Live by, yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and then they they evacuated the air when we got to depth, and and I'm not quite sure how that worked, but he was able to get 
a little bit cooler air in. So what was that down to about 110? Yeah, well, no, it it cooled down uh, a little bit. Yeah, maybe a hundred and by a little bit. It sure seemed like a lot then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of giving a, a starving man a peanut. You know, it's right. It's better it's than relative. something. It's relative. So uh, we and I, and I so in the photos you're going to see a three of us, and I'm not really that short. I'm the one that got stuck sitting on a milk crate. Well, now wait a minute. You said that. You said <laughs> when 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 you dive, uh, the wetsuit. We wanted to put you where drainage was. So there was, there was a drain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it would go well, down. You know, on the you floor know every, and, yeah. Every every time I do dive, I have to pee. So now that is well, that is a good right. spot. So. And I didn't want to sit in the bench next to you. So, you got the milk crate. Yeah, I got the. And milk that's crate. how that happened. So. Uh, but uh, the, the but the yeah, that head I, it was unbelievable. Was the size that, that got to it? Yeah, it it had to go down. It had to be what two thirds its original size or less. Um, e- easily, uh, it, it kind of reminded me of the the old uh, movies where they have the the head shrinkers. That's right. It was just uh, it, it just shrunk, and then uh, we had some styrofoam cups we brought down, and then those those tennis balls had just flattened right up. So then, so as soon as we got down there, you know, of course, then there's work. So they we had to take the other test, and uh, you know, I could tell as I was going down, just as we probably hit about 120 feet, I could kind of mm-hmm. feel the tunnel vision. I could see it kind of coming in, and I I had a feeling like I'd had at least two or three drinks. Okay. And I'm just happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was the singing too. So the singing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Anytime as you're going down and and you're talking, uh, your voice starts to change pitch a little bit, and the prime material for when your voice gets that high is anything from the Wizard of Oz. Right. Right, the yellow brick road uh, came up more than once, and it was—it was exactly like we were all on helium, except you didn't have to keep huffing from the balloon. I mean, it was yeah. just—it was constant. Um, the difference in the pressure uh, across your vocal cords—it uh, <laughs> was good. It was funny. Uh, and and uh, yeah, so uh, but we had Richard and Leroy in there with us, and yeah, and they, they were just playing, hamming it up there. Oh, uh, they—they they were having a blast in there uh, i think next time we need to have a score you know like some sort of uh you know you know multi-part musical harmony that we do you know maybe a show tune or so yeah i'll play the kazoo, <laughs> play the kazoo. Yeah. well that'd be an interesting one i wonder what the kazoo would sound like in there i don't know so uh so how'd you do in your word test jeff uh i did uh not as well um but a couple of things that I noticed, I didn't get the tunnel vision like you guys were describing. Um, but during my word test, two things, I kept looking back. I kept coming across words that were not on my list, but I kept checking the list and it was the same word that I would, every time my eyes would catch it, I'd go back down to check the list. Now I knew that it wasn't on the list, but I, I, I insisted on going back and, and rechecking. Um, it's kind of funny, but you could see where that could be dangerous too. Um, if you get preoccupied in those little mental loops like that, 
and and I also changed something mid stride. You know, when I would find a word on my word uh, puzzle, I would circle it halfway through without even thinking about it. I went to scratching them out, which is odd for me because usually I'll stay with one or the other as I'm as I'm going through. Um, maybe it's a little funny that I noticed that, but it definitely had its effect on me um, in that way. And it's just something to be, you know, while I didn't get silly or anything like that, there were changes and it, and it does happen. Yeah. I actually did better on my test and I, and I don't, and, and I'm going to mark it up too, is that I just figured out how to take the test. You know, like the, <laughs> the, the, the first time when you're a, when you're in the classroom, it was like, oh my gosh, how do I do this? And I think I right. learned enough about taking it up above that down below. Plus, I think I probably yeah, and and I took it serious up above. I mean, there was I was, you know, it's a competition. You know, you're not a man if you can't get at least six words. Right. So, uh, but right. but down below, I think I was just you know, I knew that it was going to be tougher, so I was even that much more intent on it. So. You know, I didn't have a huge improvement. You know, I went from like six to eight words in the time right. allowed, but uh, you know, so it, at least it was even. How'd, how'd you do, Mac? Well, my biggest one is uh, my focus was not there. I had to concentrate on why am I doing this? Doesn't really count, but I needed to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, it, it was hard. It really was. It was hard to get those words. It's like rats. You know, why am I doing that? I don't have to do this, but I did anyway. But yeah, when I got right. nuts and bolts, totally different because then it was manual and it, was, it wasn't really a thinking process. It was a do it. You know how to do mm-hmm. this. Yep. It was so, a job. Right. right. The focus was better on the manual. The other cerebral trying to think about something, the focus was not there. Yeah. Now, now the manual, I kind of did the same thing where I did better on it, but I think it was because... I developed the technique. You know, I didn't know how to do it. Plus, you know, I had one that was too tight that bothered me outside the chamber, which this time I just right. said, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get that one. So I skated by it. So I marked that up to, to doing the better time. Right. But you, you had no other problems other than that? No, I, I didn't. I actually, I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, like I said, it was kind of like, yeah, having a few drinks, it was just, uh, you know, I think Mac put it well when he said that, uh, you know, it's the, some people have the I don't care feeling. And <laughs> right. you know, I, di- I didn't have an I don't care, but it's kind of like you know, things aren't that bad. Maybe I'm too wound up normally, and that was just a nice, ah, so, but, uh, you know, it, well, the tests were good. It'd be nice to go back and do that that dive again and not have to do that, you know, maybe do some more, uh, you know, experimental, you know, experiment stuff, you know, something that, you know, take different items down there and see how they react. Uh, right. Know. It would be interesting to go down and try to tie a bowline, for example, on a dead eye or a pet eye, uh-huh. because we're going to put a mooring line down. How, you know, how well could you do that? Yeah, that's true. That would have been a realistic one since we have to do that this weekend. Huh. Just trying to right. uh, buoy that next wreck. Somebody's oh. going to be down there trying to tie it apart. Or tie it maybe, maybe I need to pl- practice that one on the surface because I don't know how, how good I will be with a bowl in underwater. They, they don't have Velcro rope. Yeah. 
Well, I, you know, that's a whole other thing. The Boy Scout. I can tie knots. I just forget how to tie them. So then I got to relearn them. I, I can tie knots too, but I can't untie them. That's <laughs> well, they call that. A, that that's called that's a great not a good knot. A good knot you can always untie. Oh, okay. When in doubt, just take a lighter than not nylon. Needed the fork. Take a lighter than nylon, and you'll melt it all. So right. uh, th- now the the other thing we talked about was compression of time, but you know, it just seemed like we got down, and then we did the two tests, and we were coming right back up. Right. Didn't seem like well, we had... if, we'd been, if we'd have been wet, I think we'd have been th- uh, thinking about deco. Uh-huh. We'd have been looking at gauges. I would hope we would have. And at the same time, we'd have got a time reference because of air consumption, time, and the deco on the timer. Yeah. Well, it, it, w- between the tests, uh, my computer was showing deco. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I guess that's – I, I should have put two and three and four together. But, uh, you know, as we're coming up, uh, we, we kept coming up and we were still in that deco time. And then we, he had us on uh, – well, we what depth did we get to when we had oxygen? We're on straight feet. O2 at 20 feet. At 20 feet. So we got to 20 feet. Now, one thing, I don't know, did you guys notice this on the way up? Is that just coming up, you know, because my, my computer read 155. I think the chamber, which is probably, I would say, more accurate, uh, was 150. Uh, but 10 feet off That's the bottom, salt is that salt water? Well, remember, freshwater salt water, we're trying to determine why both of the uh, devices read different, and one may be calibrated for fresh water versus salt water. Okay. So, but when we got about 10 feet off the bottom, I, I noticed that it got brighter, light-wise. So it's almost like my body sensed that coming up from the bottom, and like the tunnel vision. I mean, I could still tell I had tunnel vision. I was still focused, but it was like everything got brighter, so... It'd be interesting. Anybody else notice anything with their vision as they were going up? Well, when you got to that 20 feet, though, remember we started getting the gas and the vapors? Oh, yeah. And I think that might have given you a diffusion of the light and made that look different to you. Oh, it could be. Yeah, And it got colder. Yeah, it did as, as we got up. At, you know, and it felt good. I mean, going from being warm, uh, I was kind of nervous because, you know, you got the dive tender who's done this a few times and, He's throwing on a sweatshirt. And, yeah, he throws out a sweatshirt and pulls it on, and here, you know, we're short sleeves and shorts <laughs> or jeans. And Hey, wait a minute. Um, yeah. But I think it hit about high 70s in there, um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it was cloudy in there. Yeah. yeah, that mist. Oh, and then we had the balloons. We had the balloons in there. So what you do is when we got to the bottom, you blew up the balloon, and uh, you could tell who had been in the chamber before because <laughs> – his balloon was a little bit smaller blown up than ours. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but his made it to the surface, too. His did. The rest of ours, as we went up, would pop. And, you know, like a balloon, every time it pops, you still jump. Right. That, And then uh, first balloon, it popped. It's kind of like that was almost the catalyst for the mist forming. Yeah. yeah they didn't start breaking until you got to that 30 to 25-foot range. Mm-hmm. And yeah. did you notice how they stuck to the walls when that sucker blew? Yeah. Yeah, it was like uh, the plaster. It just glued right to the wall. So when we got to 20 feet, then we all went to air on and seeing we had, uh, what, four uh, 
uh, respirators on the one unit, and then yep. there were the other two on ours. So we had nice flow of oxygen coming into mm-hmm. us, and the other guys had nothing. So maybe right. it was the part of the pressure, but I didn't care that they didn't have any oxygen. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I, I can remember. Uh, I'm glad I'm not you. <laughs> That's a dive buddy for you. That's a dive buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I could, I could hear the air coming out, but so when they, they got their air started, that's when the timer went. So we had a little bit of extra oxygen. But I was looking at that, and I'm, I'm thinking, no, oh, he's going to pretty much follow the tables. And you know, and I knew that oxygen would be different, but it's still a little alarming when your deco still says you have nine minutes. And right. they're starting to go, okay, now we're coming up. And you're going, well, wait a minute. You know, when, how about a safety, safety, safety stop? <laughs> right. Right. See, but our computers weren't, uh, weren't factoring in the oxygen no. um, that we were using the, to, uh, to help flush. And uh, it was interesting. What it's, an experience. It certainly was. It was great. Now you've got uh, Josh was outside taking photos and video. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity for the video yet. How did that turn out? Some of it's pretty good. The audio in there was uh, poor at best because it was just, it was a big chamber, you know, on the outside of the chamber, the room um, was very echoey and things like that. But we've got some of it edited and and ready to go in with uh, some captions and things like that. So we should be able to get that up here in the next day or two. Um, it's, It's really interesting to go back and, and review that and you can compare you know ruger the mannequin head at the one atmosphere and then down uh, how many atmospheres were we down six or seven uh something like that mac are you good at that in your head six uh, counting the atmosphere you're in now so um really shrunken down uh, max playing uh kickball with the balloons in there when we're at depth um it was it, really interesting. Um, we'll have that ready to go here again, like I say, in a day or two. That'll, that'll be interesting to see. And then we'll we'll have to do this again. Maybe we make this, uh, if if not again yet this year, at least an an annual event. So, but I uh, I think annual would be fun. You didn't realize why I why I was kicking that balloon around, did you? Because you didn't want it near you when it popped. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You kept, I thought you were playing catch with me. You kept throwing it at my head. What's with yeah. that? It's kind of like hot potato. <laughs> right. You want some of this? Have it. Oh, man. But that that, that was, I had a lot more fun than I thought I would. Yeah, it was neat. It, it wasn't a contraption. Um, oh, wow. The, the valving and plumbing and just to do that, um, I think. I think when I figured it out, it puts us down to about 77 PSI, um, 75, 77 PSI or something like that. And if anybody does any work with air compressors or anything, it's easily obtainable inside of an air compressor. So imagine yourself inside of a giant air compressor reservoir, and that's where we were at. Um, just yeah. just what, a, what, a, what a piece of machine. And, and it's almost counterintuitive because, you know, we're, we're used to the tanks in our back being, you know, 3,000 pounds. 
Mm-hmm. So you, you think about but the, but the compressor they had there was a very high CFM cubic feet per minute compressor, but it really wasn't that high of a pressure. You know, and they filled large volumes of tanks that were pump, pumped in, plumbed in. So yeah, they think I think they had uh, two or three what he would call pig uh, tanks where they bank some of the air so that they could charge our chamber relatively quickly to take us down to depth and then uh, a bunch of oxygen tanks banked on uh, the one wall uh, pretty neat setup yeah well and i noticed that when i downloaded that dive profile from the computer that he had pretty much a perfect descent and almost a perfect ascent i mean it was just a smooth you know if i could if i could return to the surface at that same even rate that would be great uh something to work towards yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh, looking at some of those uh looking at the profiles that you downloaded off of your computer um that's a that's a skill to be to be worked on it's it's tricky well, if you're doing in that it. chamber if you're in that chamber you want that guy to be really really good yeah and he was yeah and he was. It was. I felt. I never once had any any doubts about his skill in uh, in uh, operating the chamber. Everything went just as it. Did. Yep. So, a, a great dive. Looking forward to doing it again. And uh, I did. Uh, oh, I was going to say I didn't get wet, but we did get wet. Jim and I went out in the boat on Lake <laughs> Michigan. That's and right. We had the sirens call. And maybe it was residual from the narking, but uh, I could see that's it what it was. It well, was now, now. Mac went out diving the same day. Yeah. So what what was the water temp when you were there, Mac? Well, it was colder after five hours. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine because I my um, looking back at my log, I was in for probably twelve seconds. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking off the back of the boat. As soon as I hit the water, I was like a cat. Um, barely touched the water and i'm going back for the ladder because it was cold well see because i i made the mistake of putting my legs in because i was going to go in because it was it was actually hot it was warm yeah where you wanted to swim when we're in the boat so we tied off and the kids were all wanting to go swimming so i put my i dangled my feet off the back and my ankles went numb (laughs) (laughs) so and i'm thinking you know we've been diving in in lake michigan since march why can we not? Right. Uh, yeah, this should be this should be tropical. It's May. It's a hot day out. Uh, and then when Jim do- jumped in, I just couldn't let him have one up on me, so I had to to jump in. And it was cold. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was it was absolutely cold. It was frigid. <clears throat> oh. Oh. And we we got to use the dive ladder again, coming back up. Yep. Yep. And then Jim do- jumped back in, and I jumped back in. And it, I think it took us three times to figure out that the water really isn't warming up right. in the amount of time we gave it between Yeah, jumps. you weren't, you weren't going to acclimate yourself to it. It was too cold. There was but no see, after, but I, after I did get over the first shock, you know, the second one didn't seem as bad, but it still wasn't warm. And it was refreshing, though. It was. Well, and wow. then what would happen is you'd get out... And then it didn't take long at all for you to go, gosh, it's kind of hot out here. Mm-hmm. So that yep. was, a, was it a refreshing dive for you, Mac? Uh, you- 
It was a working dive. <laughs> you covered a lot good. of got chilly is when I got towed and you get the water to go down your back. That's a little chilly. Now they were towing you because it's just easier than, than surfacing. They just Oh well they'd be going from one spot to the next and I'd come up, finish my survey, and then they towed me to the next one. Oh. I mean it was a long way. They told me it's it's quicker than hauling me back in the boat, moving me over, let me pop back out. Mm-hmm. So they told me I did take the sled with me, uh, but we wound up not using it. Okay. But I will dissect that little uh, item and validate what it's made of, and I'll make a copy so you guys will see what it is. Yeah, because it's that's interesting, and actually a good one would be that other one we saw since there were two of them. You know, you could have one to leave and one to the, one to research. So, well, since they're yeah. outside in the baking sun, they sort of get odiferous. Ooh. Oh, I bet. So it will get dissected and then disposed of. <laughs> it's, your, it's, your wife let you put that in the laundry room? I was gonna, no, it's outside. <laughs> I, I would thought that would be a perfect item for the mantle. I was going to yeah. say we could put that in a trunk of your car. I'm just going to your wife. <laughs> Sounds like a plot for a movie. Yeah. Yeah, what that alive. Yeah. Oh, oh so, yeah. Uh, so your dive went well then, Mac? Yep, we accomplished what we needed to do. I did lose my river stick. Oh, I saw a photo of it. Was it? Did you just? No, I lost it later. I was doing a sample, and I had uh, put dimensions and, and put ruler marks on it for comparison. I was taking pictures, and then after I took the pictures, I got so concerned with taking the sample and bagging it, I never realized I didn't have the lanyard back on. Oh. Yeah. Well, at least I brought the camera back, so that's always a plus. Oh, uh, you're one ahead of me then. <laughs> Yo, that's yeah. right. Darren's yeah. is still out there. Yeah, mine. Well, I don't think mine's still out there. I think mine's in another diver's uh, personal collection by now. I'm willing to bet it is too. Yeah, and it could have even been that same day. Yeah, just keep going to scuba board. So when somebody brags about the camera with pictures on it. Yeah. Well, it's a, picture of, it's a picture of Kurt, so I keep listening for people describing descriptions of Kurt, and I, I know that it's a camera. Yeah. So so that was last week's dives, both in tank and in water. Uh, so this so this week, anybody have going to have a chance to get wet? Well, you saw the one also on Bob. He went out and did the Ironsides, remember? Oh, oh that's, that's, that's right. I, yeah, I saw he written a little blurb. I want to get a little bit more information on that. I, I was kind of curious as to whether it was, you know, you know, much different from previous years when he dove on it or. Well, it's big. It's been two years since he dove on it. Uh, the biggest item they thought they were going to get, well, typical, you know, five years ago, you dove on it. If you had five feet, maybe 10, that was fantastic. So they were going down the down line and he lost sight of him within 10 feet, but they must've hit the thermocline at 65, 70 feet. Because they had 60-foot visibility when they got to the bottom. Wow. But yes. the wreck is splayed open much more than last year. Uh, parts of the stern is broken open and fell over the props. So it's becoming really a splayed-out wreck, just like the Havana. The only oh. stuff uh, above really the surface will be the engines, things like that. Yeah, and that's where you have to wonder if the zebra mussels are accelerating that just from the mass of them on the wreck. Oh, you know, the clarity, yes. There's absolutely no doubt. Well, you, even know. even the splaying of it, you know, because you figure that everything's sitting there, you know, how much weight 
is that on that mass, right? You yeah. get a surprising amount of current flow down there um, in the survey. We go out there. I'll have to show you a couple of trenches out there that from 17 to 20 feet, you'll get a distinct difference in pattern of the bottom, meaning the sand will be from the high swoops to the next swoop is three feet. You hit the slope, which is just a little up, a couple of degrees up. Then you'll have the, the scope of the land or the, the, the serrations between the waves is four inches. That's a, it's a heck of a current coming through that section. And you can actually be pulled with it. So if you're talking mass against the current, that constant pressure wants to bring that big part of the hull and, and mm. break it open. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, so that sounds like they had a good dive. Yes, it did. It sounded very good. They've got, like I said, we're going to go out tomorrow, uh, see what we can do on the crane and barge. Try to do a verification of the, the coordinates. If it looks good and we've got the time, we're going to try to buoy it and do a bounce. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, I'm not sure who's going on the Havana and or the barge yet. Uh, I'm going to try to get a jump in on Sunday. And then Monday it'll be I'm available for something. Okay. Uh, oh, they're going to be diving the tug on Monday. Oh. Uh, it's a deep one, 150. Mm-hmm. So somebody could still get on that, but they're going to be doing the rebreathers. Yep. So I don't think I will be party to that one. No. The next biggie is going to be on the Ann Arbor 5. I'd like to get on that little baby. Yeah, that, that'd be another interesting one to, to see. Well, you guys could get on the, on the tail of it because the bottom is a little about 200 or so. Oh, no, there's no way I'm, I'm hitting back no, but you could, But it's got a tagline on it. You could hit the second that's up because you can hit that in about 100 foot. Yeah, it's down on a pretty steep slope, isn't it? Well, it's not a slope. It's in, it's impacted into the bottom. Yeah. It, it, oh, okay. Yeah, as it sank, it it ran into the bottom. Uh, the the people who were there in the day that it went down because it was uh, they were actually pulling it in to be salvaged, and uh, you know because they cut it up and it was uh, the tail section I think, and uh, the, the seas got a little high and it. You know, it uh, went over the back and went to the bottom, and they said that from the surface they could hear it hit. So it speared wow. itself in the, into the ground. Wow. So, so it's like... Got a couple of items planned out there. Yep. Oh, I also added the uh, Wednesday night dives on the uh, website. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I have to take a look at it, see what they've what we've got for those. I. I I wanted to do one this week, but just couldn't quite fit it in. Well, most of those are going to be further than Kalamazoo, but they do have two Lake Cora dives coming up uh, and another Gull Lake. And you guys have been there, and that's probably the closest from distance-wise. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah it, there's there's so much that we can dive around here. I don't think on a, on a work day I'm really going to head all the way up there for one of their dives. But if you're up in that area, you know, any, some good dives to, to go and do. So, uh, well, let's see. We I think that pretty much does it for the, the diving. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll come back next week and talk about that. But then uh, I guess it only leaves one thing. It's that time. Yep. yep. It's, it's, it's that time. So uh, th this, this one's a little bit different. I tried to put a little bit of a uh, 
of a scuba twist into it, so we'll have to see how it goes. But uh, what there are is there are three scuba divers who decide to take a break in their new dive boat on an unreasonably warm Memorial weekend. Uh, they picked a small lake because they thought that'd be the shallow depths would be good for adjusting their side scan sonar, and they packed a large cooler full of beer. Uh, they would run a pass and then drink a beer, and then they would run another pass and drink another beer. And after many runs of mowing the lawn on this lake, the beer started to add up. And one of the divers, old Charlie, decided that he needed to take a leak. The two other guys told him, go to the back of the boat, take care of business. And as they're chatting about what they'd seen on the sonar and drinking a couple more beers, they, they realized they hadn't seen Charlie in a while, and it had been about 15 minutes. So they were stunned when they didn't see him. So they decided that they, they were going to have to dive in, that he had, he had actually fallen in. After a couple attempts, they managed to find this guy, and with the help of the other friend, they got him back in the boat. One guy started mouth-to-mouth. The other guy started doing the chest compressions to get the heart started. After about 15 minutes path, complete, uh, passed, completely out of breath, the one guy pulls back and remarks, I don't remember old Charlie's breath being this bad earlier this morning. And the other fellow remarked, come to think of it, I don't remember that old Charlie was wearing a snowmobile suit either. Uh, so did, did that qualify that was bad that was bad <laughs> yeah that was bad uh, okay well I'd like to thank everybody for listening that's been enough <laughs> we didn't scare anybody off so go out there and get wet and dive safe no musical sounds tonight <laughs>